Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to another exciting, action-packed edition of Outside the Shed. Shedheads, I've told you as we've gone down this road together for the 2022 season that uh, the closer we get to finals time, the more excitement your Shed Adamus will bring week in and week out to the festivities that we call this family, this little cult of diversity we call Outside the Sheds. We're here again. Now, your Shed Adamus has been on the ropes a little bit the last couple of days. He, I wouldn't say he's under the weather, but he's just, he's fighting. He's fighting some neck stiffness. He's fighting a little pain. He's fighting a little, uh, just not his best. Not 100%. But let me tell you something. If players can go out there missing parts of their ear, I can do outside the sheds and bring you 100% of the energy you guys are looking for. So here we go. I don't know about you, but... It just feels incredible as we get close to these last three or four weeks of the season. Two for the AFL, three for the NRL. But the pressure as these teams feel that some of their seasons are going to be successful, some of these seasons are not going to be successful, and these last few weeks are going to be the things that actually either galvanize success, that they actually put the time and the work into those 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 incredible preseason sessions were worth it or if they're going to go in a different direction and look for new leadership look for a new playing group all of that and it's all down to now and you could feel it by the the results for last week and you can see it with some of the stories that are coming into this week but before we can go forward we must go back and so let's go over as we start the 40-20, some of these scores that happened last week. Your Shadadamas went four for eight. We had a couple of upsets that I don't think anybody saw, and we all felt it on the chin. But here we go. Kicking off the round, we all know it was a big tilt everybody was looking forward to between the Roosters and the Broncos. The Chookies come home 34-16. It was great to see a rejuvenated Luke Keary playing the type of footy we all know that he can play with one try, two try assists. Um, and the crazy thing about this result is now the Roosters are only two points out of a top four position. And you think as they're playing, and they're gonna, they've got a tough road home. The Chooks have a tough road home. Uh, they got the Cows this week, which I cannot wait for that match. But handling a Broncos team that is slumping right now, but handling them, uh, you've got to feel strong. And don't forget, your Shed Adamas had predicted some big things for, for the Sydney Roosters this year. But great job by the by the Chooks, and, and I'm really happy to see Luke Carey getting back to some of his best and running the ball. Storm 32, Titans 14, the Munster show was back on display. Cameron Munster put back in the fullback position after Nick Meany goes down with a head knock. Uh, but it was Munster at his best. And it really brings into question now if Cameron Munster should be playing all the time at the fullback position. Because if you listen to Cameron Munster talk about it, the one thing that he loves about the fullback position is he doesn't have to think. Now, some people think Cameron Munster doesn't think anyway. That's a joke. But a lot of people think that when he is playing his best football, he is just shooting from the hip. He's reading what the game's giving him. He's reading what the defensive line is showing him. 
and he's making a split-second decision. And I think that's when we see Cameron Munster dominate and play the type of footy that we all want to see him play. And for some reason, he's a guy that just steps up in that big game, that big game situation scenario, right? State of state of origin, he's always at his best, usually, right? Um, and I got we got to see that again. The Titans definitely a valiant effort. Um, Holbrook's boys are, I, I think, they're showing that they want to still play for Justin Holbrook. Uh, I don't think they have the right pieces right now for them to get the results that they really, really need, and that's changing, uh, which we'll go over uh, a little bit later in the 40-20. But uh, the Storm seems like they're rearing into form, and we've got a big story coming out about them coming up um, that I think could actually even bolster them a little bit more or make them electric, if you know what I mean. Eels 36, Sea Eagles 20, uh, Dylan Brown, Arthur's, the, 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 the new halves pairing really showed out, steering the ship around. I think the guy that really kept all the ingredients mixed and together again was the Guthrino, Clint Gutherson, um, stepping up into play when he needed to, dropping back when he needed to. Uh, Gutho really showed that, t- to me, he's a top-flight player. You know he gets up to play his old team uh, in Manly, and he did that well. Um just really, really fun to see. But I have to say, with these two rivals, you know they take great pride in this. But but Parramatta probably ended Manly's chances at finals berth. And, you know, a lot of people have been talking that they think that the, um, the, the jerseys that came out a couple weeks ago during uh, women's round, um, women of league round, uh, that they it, it's still having effect with Manly, and, and I don't know if that's the case. I don't think any of us know unless we're inside the locker room. But they just seem to not be on strike the way they were when they were kind of rolling, even without Turbo, um, a few weeks ago. So congratulations, great victory for Parramatta. Rabbitohs 48, Warriors 10. Um, the Bunnies continue to cruise, but to me, that's not the thing that came out of this. I think all of us know knew going into that match that the Bunnies were going to win it. But it's just the lackluster performances that 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 the New Zealand Warriors have been putting on the field. Um, you know, they, they're back home now. They're back, you know, at Mount Smart, and they're able to play in front of their fans and and all of that, which is a, a great story of the perseverance of the club. But to show no heart whatsoever, uh, you know, against South Sydney, and it's just it's really sad to see because I know. The, the Warriors are a proud organization and a proud team, and they just haven't had the results on the field show the pride that that, that club has. And, and, I, I, and I hate to say it, but I'm so disappointed in, in the end of Sean Johnson's career. Um, one of the most dynamic players I've ever seen in the game is now just a shell of himself, really. Um, I think we can count on one hand the amount of times we've seen Sean Johnson try to take on the line to bring people towards him to get a pass off. He's looking to do a kick. He's looking to do a cutout pass. And those are the things that they're great parts of a, a, a player, but not the parts of a player like Sean Johnson that's dynamic or at one time was so dynamic. And maybe that's a problem. When you're so good at one time, when you fall, it can just look horrible, and I think it just really, really looks bad right now. So horrible, horrible, horrible performance by the Warriors, um, but again, the Rabbitohs continue to march on. Panthers 26, Raiders 6. 
the, the, the Penny Panthers showing their defensive prowess, showing that they're getting ready for finals footy, putting their best foot forward. Crazy that they don't have the halves at all. Um, that that you know that they are going to be taking into the finals, um, but that they still showed out. But as bad as the performance was for the for the Raiders, who really needed to get that victory, um, it's sad to see that it, that a press conference overshadowed the greatness of that Penrith victory. So, as you can guess, that's our top story. We're going to get in, get into when we do the full breakdown at the forty twenty. But great victory for the Panthers. Sharks 24, Dragons 18. Um, you know, the Sharkies holding off a, a charging Dragons club in the Derby. Um, I think one of the best parts about it was seeing a full uh, points bet stadium. Uh, it was packed to the gills. There you go, little Sharks. Anyway, it was packed uh, for the match. Um, but Cronulla solidifying their top three position right now. Uh, in the side, and and, and, it, and I really do not think I see para, excuse me the the Sharkies falling out of the top four. I don't. Uh, they're playing too well. Um, they did that without Bubba at fullback. Matty Moylan was down for with injury, and Dale Finucane was still out. So getting that type of performance still with those three pieces missing shows you, um, I think what's really going on under the surface with the Sharks. Cowboys 28, Bulldogs 14, the Doggies spotting him 10 points, uh, looking like they were in charge, looking like they were playing well. Still, I, I got to tell you, this Canterbury club is not the Canterbury club that was stinking up the joint at the beginning of the season. This is a fun team. And, you know, Gus Gould's got his hands full now in his decision. Uh, does, he, does he really remove Mick Potter, uh, a guy who seemed to bring fun back to the dogs, uh, and I know everyone is on the the, the Cameron Serraldo bandwagon and Serraldo, 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 but you're taking a chance getting rid of a guy that's got your club playing one of the most exciting brands of football right now in the competition. So interesting to see where Gus goes forward with this, but I'm talking a lot about Canterbury for a club who didn't even win the match because. Scotty Drinkwater, excuse me, Scotty Drinkwater, Scotty Drinkwater, and Chatty Townsend really brought the cows home, charging uh, with that victory. You know, scoring 28 points, uh, they they really showed that they have not just adopted, but that the Todd Payton system is in their blood. They they play a tough defensive style, then they play exciting footy. Um, it's it's really really fun to watch, and that's why I cannot wait to see this showdown between them and the Chooks uh, this week. And then finally, Knights fourteen, Tigers ten, a game that I think everybody bet one way with the with the the craziness coming out of Newcastle with David Clemmer and and uh, Adam O'Brien and and everybody just you know trainers getting upset because they're told to you get the hell out of here in different words. Uh, it nothing showed that the Knights were going to show up on the field the way they did, and and to be and beat the Tigers. But I think two things come out of that. I think you're seeing how important Jackson Hastings is for that club, and I know that a lot of people say Luke Brooks wasn't in the side this week. That's true, but Luke Brooks wasn't in the side the week before when they got the victory. So 
I think going forward, you're not going to see Luke Brooks back with the side. I, I would not. I'd be very, very shocked if we don't see Luke Brooks uh, next year up in the Hunter uh, with Newcastle. But I do think that 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 Jackson Hastings is is a key, 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 key member of this Tigers team right now, and and he wasn't there, so they definitely didn't look the way they have for the last few weeks. That's one. But the Knights really showed heart. Uh, they almost gave it up in the end because they had to put together a, a a goal line stance at the end of the game to hold the Tigers out, and they did. Uh, they did. Now, they've lost now Jake Clifford for the rest of the season, who played, they were saying, the last five minutes of the match with a fractured arm. Um, so, again, the Habs are in, are in upheaval, but um, a great victory, and I mean great, because... As bad as that team had been the last few weeks and the stuff that was going on up in Newcastle, for them to put that performance together and to get that victory, a victory they had to have, uh, was to me very, very impressive and caught me off guard. Really did, shitheads. Now, Rugby League is a tough game. We all know this. Uh, it's one of the reasons we love it so much. Uh, and to me, it's very, very sad when an on-field performance is overshadowed by something that goes on after the siren and off-field. And that's what we've had happen this week. I don't care where you stand on this. I'm going to say my point on on this whole thing. Um, but I'm a big fan of Ricky. Okay, Sticky to me is an old school coach. He speaks it the way that it is. He holds nothing back. He tells you how he feels. In the today's day and age, we just don't get that. And I'm not saying I'm not a politically correct guy because I try to be in some ways. How many times have you heard me use uh, horrible profanity on this show? And I'm not expecting 5 to 12-year-old kids to be listening to this podcast. But I think there's just a way that you need to carry yourself. And, and when I went and got my communications degree back in school back in 1904, um, that was important. And it was something that was really, really stressed. I think a lot of that has gone out the door with this social media age where everybody thinks, you know, when they, they could pick up their phone and say whatever they want and send it to whoever they want, people have lost that ability to carry themselves in a higher standard, right? So when Ricky gets in front of the microphone and 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 calls um, Jamin Salmon a weak-gutted dog, this really tips something off to me, all right? Um... First off, let's go back to why he did it, or the case that that brought this out of him. Jamin Salmon did a an egregious thing, and something that I have always worried about in the game. He took studs, put studs in a guy's face. All right, he he kicked Starling where the sun doesn't shine. First off, in the tackle, and then as Starling is down from taking one to the people's package. He put studs in the side of the kid's face by kicking out, all right? And if you watch the picture, he's looking in the direction where he's kicking. It wasn't like he just was like having a, 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 a freaking seizure attack like some of these guys do when people are laying on top of him. He, it looked calculated to me, shedheads. It looked calculated. And for me, if, if the bunker can't look down and see a guy is kind of looking and targeting and you're putting studs in somebody's face... I think Salmon should at least got 10 minutes in the bin for that. At least 10 minutes in the bin. That's me. Because I think if, you, if you're running a sport right now where everybody is so worried about head trauma and contact, and stuff, you can't have guys kicking guys in the head. All right? That's first off. So 
This doesn't take away with what Ricky said, but I just don't think there was enough done on the field for the for the situation that happened between Salmon and Starlin. Now, back to this press conference. So when Ricky calls out the play and then calls Jameis Salmon a weak gutted dog, I knew that there had to be something deeper here, right? Because Ricky is put in being a player, being a star player in the NRL. He's been a coach and a big-time coach for a lot of years now. He has been in front and behind the microphone plenty of times. He knows when the eyes are on him. He knows when people are listening. It's not like he's a coach, this is his first season, and he, oops, messed up, right? This is a veteran of the game. All right. So when he says this, it really makes me freeze. I'm like, whoa, whoa. That was a little bit of a personal attack there, right? And it just caught me off guard. Because Ricky usually, you know, he called Mick Ennis a dickhead, all right? We'll just say it. That's his words, not mine. And it's still, to me, one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Because a lot of people think Mick deserves a lot more than that. I'm a huge Michael Ennis fan, but I still think it's funny. Because he is Ennis the Menace. But, so when he says that, I'm like, wow, there's got to be something here. And then words come out, and the backstory comes out about this. That this happened, uh, that Ricky's had history with this kid uh, from back when he was younger. 12, 13 years of age. And it sounds like to me, no one wants to talk about it, but it sounds like to me that there might have been an attack in some way against Ricky's autistic daughter. I don't know. I'm just hearing about places and I'm putting things together, right? Now, the sad thing for me about all of this is that it has been very one-sided, the attack on Ricky, right? Sticky's really taking it hard. Okay, he shouldn't have said what he said. I understand that. And I totally agree. But I think that you don't get a guy react like that unless there's something egregious has happened that is still sitting with the man. Still sitting with him. And I don't think it's 100% fair that Jamin Salmon is able to just walk free of this situation. Like it's been locked away that whatever he did, we can't talk about. Now, Ricky put down that he does not want this discussed any further. He apologized. And then said he doesn't need it talked about anymore. It's it's dead. It's over. But in the court of law, to me, both sides need to be heard. And I think public sentiment might be totally different if we actually heard and knew what Jamin Salmon did. That is still rolling around in Sticky's brain. And I don't think, you know, I've done some some, some not cool things. I think all of us have done things we're not proud of. But I've never once messed around with a with a child or or been mean to a child because of 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 deficiencies in any way. My mother used to work with the with the um, um, the, the, the the students that needed more help, more care. Um, I have a close, close friend who has a son that's challenged. Uh, and I love the kid, right? Love him. Uh, matter of fact, he's a huge part of my life in the standpoints where he probably makes me laugh harder than anybody else. But that is totally been protected where we don't know what, what Jamin Salmon did. And I don't think you can make a true decision on the way you feel about something unless you see both sides of the story. All right. Okay. That's my feeling on this. My problem 
with a lot of this is that now Ricky has been handed down a breach of notice from the NRL. And this breach of notice comes with a $25,000 fine, and he's not able to coach or be at the player facility or to be at the game for a week. Now, this weekend is a huge match for the Raiders. If the Raiders don't beat the Dragons this weekend, their season's done. This is a this is a, a winner-takes-all, two-men-enter-one-man-leaves match coming up before... Did I say that right? Two men enter, one man leaves. Little Mad Max 3. Anyway, between two clubs, all right? And now Ricky is not going to be there while Hook will be able to be there. To me, $25,000, because this is not going to be paid by the club, it's going to be paid by Ricky, is enough. It's enough. It's enough. And, And so... I think the NRL missed the point right there. Um, they say they've done investigations into all the claims and everything that went there. I don't think, I have a feeling Ricky was not as forthcoming as he possibly could have been. He says that he has described and told the situation of why he reacted the way that he did. Um, but it's it, it's a huge decision by the NRL. And I think it's a huge decision by the NRL Um that none of us got to hear the full story. And in the, in the age of social media, in the age of news, the age of, and when I live in a country that deals with a lot of people that don't ever want facts, but want things said to them so they feel better, um, it's, it's troubling for me. But um, I just hope for the best for Ricky. I hope that uh, he gets through this and can still say the same Ricky Stewart that, We've all kind of fallen in love with uh, for his blunt style. Um, and I would love the truth to come out. I really would. Because trust me, when someone is not a good dude and has done bad things, I've called them a hell of a lot worse than a weak gutted dog. Just saying. Now, let's talk about the things that we want to talk about, and that's stuff on the field. Um, and with this week's blockbuster that we got kicking off the round, we've got the Storm in one corner. Ding, ding. We've got the Panthers in the other corner. Ding, ding. Love my bell, don't you? First off, this is a big enough match without any side story, right? You've got two clubs that are, are like streaking cars to a finish line right now. you got the Panthers that are holding form even though they've lost Cleary, Luai, Kikau is out. Uh, got May just went down now, won't be playing this week. We, you know, they're coming like little Johnny Tremaine, you know, little red badge of courage, little band-aid on his face. But they're coming. But they're still leading the pack, right? And then you've got the Storm, who've been beat up, but still have immense pride um, and, 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 and are a true champion, right? So that's good enough. That should be good enough, Shedheads. But not so fast. Because to start the week off, vice chairman of the Penrith Panthers, Fox footy, Fox NRL, whatever you want to say, Fox footy, uh, commentator, Brandy Alexander, came out and he called the storm out for their tackling style and wrestling, slowing down the play of the game. And he said the storm are, are responsible. They're the godfathers of this. They're the one that brought this into the game, right? 
And I'm going to, okay, okay, well, let's talk about sides there. So Brandy says this and quickly is rebuttaled by Cameron Smith, who called that in a question, didn't say anything defaming about Brandy, but called that in a question and said that, you know, if you look at history, there's a lot of teams before that have used wrestling tactics um, and all of that. Now, I don't know if a lot of other people have used judo coaches uh, before the Melbourne Storm, but that's fine. But then Melbourne chairman Matt Tripp really came at Brandy Alexander. And he called out his integrity because don't forget, Brandy is the vice chairman for the Penrith Panthers as well, like I said. So he called out his integrity. And then he said that the Penrith Panthers are arrogant or have a lot of arrogance about them. All right. You all want to know what your Shed Adamas thinks about this. That's why we listen to this show. I understand that and I appreciate that. So let's say, let me answer this really quickly. Who I agree with. Hmm. Okay. I agree with them both. That's right. I don't think either side is wrong in this. I do feel, and if you listen to players and coaches talk about this, players and teams know when they play the Melbourne Storm. And I've questioned more than any other club, Melbourne, when I've watched tackles. They come at players a lot of times at the back of the legs. They they do wrestle and hold teams down to slow down the play of the rock. That is something they do. And there's a lot of times I'm saying, we were just talking a few weeks ago about the hectic cheese, Brandon Smith, the tackle he made at the back of somebody's legs, right? That is something that Melbourne does. And, and there's a code with a lot of players in the NRL that players that are playing don't like to usually call out other players, right? What they'll do is they'll just get revenge or get even on the field. So that happens. We understand that. But Melbourne, don't be confused. They do have a different type of tackling style. And they do play the game better and different than a lot of teams when it comes to slowing down the play of the ball. That's true. That is fact. Now, integrity-wise, I'm not going to say anything. I've never met Brandy. I've never talked to Brandy. I listen to a lot of the stuff that he says. I've always felt it, found it very, very strange that the NRL has people that are commenting on the, the entire league and games that are invested in clubs. Gus Gould with nine, you know, he's running the Bulldogs. Brandy, vice chairman, he's with the Penny Panthers. Uh, you know, um, you know, you've got tons of players that do this. You know, I Billy Slater works for you know works for nine and does things at times. Um, who am I trying to think of? Brad Fittler is known. That's that's how I first knew about Brad Fittler because I wasn't watching the game when Fittler was dominating, right? So I know Fittler. I have two. I have both of his books in my library, right? Love to have you sign one of them too, by the way, Brad. But anyway, I've got both of his books down there. So I know him for being an on-field, sideline guy that's giving information. But he definitely has vested interest because he is a coach for the Blues. So... This is a strange thing for me, especially in America, where you have people that are able to speak about the game, but you know that they are, you know, tied in with clubs. 
it's it's strange. It wouldn't it wouldn't go over here in the states. It wouldn't go over here in the divided states. Um, but it's something that I've gotten, I guess, accustomed to watching the games, right? So I do find it strange, and I don't want to say I call out as an integrity, but I definitely know he's coming from a slanted point of view at times. Cool. Arrogance is something that I think by every means, and I agree 100% in this, Penrith is an arrogant team. But you tell me one dominant club in any sport, not just NRL, not just AFL, you tell me a dominant team that isn't arrogant. Just tell me one. You have to have that type of arrogance and swagger if you're the best, if you're a champion, if you're the top. You're the alpha, for crime and sakes. You're the guy. You're the man. And don't think if, if you're a guy that walks into a club, restaurant with the hottest girl in there, you don't feel a little bit arrogant. That's just what happens, man. Just what happens. Now, I do sometimes have a real problem. I've had problems before. It's kind of calmed down a little bit. With some of the celebrations, and I'm a huge celebration guy, but Penrith would sometimes get celebrations to go the other teams. Kind of isolate guys out and celebrate around the opposing team and stuff like that. I'm not down with that. That's not cool. But they are arrogant. So I totally agree with this. Um, so I don't know what you say about this. I think the greatest part about all of this that we just talked about is that we get to see in a matter of hours this combustion of both sides coming together and get to play and get it out. This isn't two weeks out. This isn't three weeks out. This isn't a foreshadow for the final. This is going on in a matter of hours. And once again, Mrs. Shedadamas will not be happy because I will be staying up to watch this live. Uh, to take it in as it happens. So, uh, can't wait for this, but I agree with both sides on this. You both are winning. Well, movement happens. We know movement is a part of the game, and we've got more movement. The Chooks are set to lose one of their premier champions, uh, a guy that's been there for a while, uh, Sam Verrills. And a lot of people were wondering what was going to happen with Sammy Verrills and the hectic cheese, Brandon Smith, coming in with the, with the tri-colors of the Chooks next year. And we got the answer to that. Because Sam Verrills has signed a two-year deal to move up to the Gold Coast Titans and will be working in the spine now, as long as he can still continues to come there, with Kieran Foran to try to make up a nucleus in the middle for, for Justin Holbrook's struggling club right now. Uh, I think it's a huge get for Gold Coast. Uh, I know the Chooks really didn't want to lose Sam Barrels, but, you know, the Chooks have to stay under salary cap as well. They can't keep everybody. But I think this is a big, big move. Um, Sam has really been playing some really, really good football um, this year. So if he stays in form and stays healthy, I think it's a great buy for the Gold Coast Titans. Now, as, as that goes on as well, we also have a major, major signing. The, the comeback tour continues for a guy that I love to watch, Tamari Martin. Uh, you know, he's had a pretty good season uh, in his comeback with the Brisbane Broncos. He's actually injured right now. But he has now parlayed this, this really good season that he's shown to a three-year deal to go back home to play for the New Zealand Warriors. Now, what I'm hoping is Tamari Martin's story, uh, his leadership, actually comes to pass to help this club do something and to change their fortune 
and to get the, the the Warriors back to where everyone wants to see them as a as a hard driving fun team to watch in the attack. So hopefully that happens. But I'm just excited that the guy has now signed a three year deal, and I know he's excited to go back home. So congratulations for this signing for the Warriors first off, but especially the team Marie Martin and the Sam Verrills for, for inking these long-term deals with their clubs. Now let's go into some picks for round 22. We got the one we started off with, the one we've been talking about, Storm versus the Panthers. I am taking this without a shadow of a doubt. I'm taking the Melbourne Storm to go to the foot of the Blue Mountains and to get an upset over the Penny Panthers. I just for some reason think the Melbourne needs this game more than Penrith and are going to show what they're made of. Friday, Bulldogs versus the Warriors at Mount Smart Stadium. I don't think we're going to get the fight for the Warriors we want to see. I think the Bulldogs are going to go down there and show out and get another victory for Mick Potter. And then Rabbitohs versus the Eels. The Rabbitohs have had something over the Eels recently, and I don't think I see that changing. I think that the Eels are... They've played well the last couple of weeks, but I think South Sydney has got a point to prove and they have more to play for to make sure they stay in the eight, and I'm taking the Bunnies. Saturday, Cowboys versus the Roosters. Oh, I'm so excited I get this at an early time. I won't be half asleep and trying to stay up on Monster Energy drinks and sugar. I'm taking the Chooks at the SCG. I'm taking Sydney to get a victory over Toddy Payton's boys and the Cowboys. Then we have the Sharks versus the Tigers. I think we saw what the Tigers have in them right now without Jackson Hastings. And I think the Sharks are going to be too much for them. I'm taking the Sharks. And then to finish out Saturday, we've got the Knights versus the Broncos. I know Newcastle got that big victory, but with Clifford going down, um, they're really going to be in trouble in the halves. So I'm taking the Broncos to start steering that ship back up and getting the victory. And then finally Sunday... We've got the Dragons versus the Raiders. We've got a match that, like I said, two men enter, one man leaves. I'm taking the Raiders to get the victory. I think they play hard for Ricky, and they actually bring home the victory. And then finally, Seagulls versus the Titans. I call it the Kieran Foreign Bowl, the Daily Cherry Evans Bowl. Uh, I've got the Titans upsetting the Seagulls and, again, ending their season and, and putting the birds out of their misery. So... Big matches coming up. Can't wait. Like I said, we're a matter of hours away from that kickoff of that. So, um, hope you're ready for that as well, Shedheads. Now, let's go on the mark. I know last week I didn't get these picks in, but let's go over these games. Uh, They were some pretty, pretty, just some fun stuff. Uh, Kicking off the round, Pies 96, Demons 89. It's the Pies 11 straight victory. And their 6 straight victory... 10 points or less. Now, if you're a Pies fan, you've got to love that you're number two right now. You're feeling good about yourselves. But you have to be worried that, again, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. How many times are you going to keep winning games that close before one of them catches you? So, great victory again. Pies again, feeling like a team of destiny. But you got to watch out for that. Hawks 70, Sun 63, Gunson kicks 5. Um, you know, the, the, the Hawks never trailed, never trailed in this match. And again, just, just good stuff. Uh, four out of five victories 
for the Hawks. So you've got a team that's kind of rearing into form as the season ends, which is going to make a lot of Hawks supporters pretty excited going into next season. Giants 96, Bombers 69. I guess that we would call this a yin-yang score. But, uh, you know, the Giants awaken. And I, I just don't know what to ever make of, of Greater Western Sydney. But um, they awaken. Uh, Jesse Hogan has maybe one of his best games he's had for a while. GWS was called out by their coach saying that they've quit on the season, uh, that they were ready just to, to go and, and start golfing and, 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 and just walk out of the building. And, and the players showed otherwise. So great victory for, for, for GWS to show some heart and to stay in the fight. Dockers 95, Bulldogs 78. Um, the Dockers victory, let me put it this way, takes a bite out of the Dogs' finals chances. How about that one, Shedheads? That's right. Um, big victory for Fremantle. Fremantle needed a, a win right now, and and I'm going to say this was a crushing loss for the Western Bulldogs. Cats 110, Saints 65. Uh, I've got another one. The Cats knocking the halo off the Saints for their 11th victory in a row and pretty much uh, sending the Holy Rollers uh, away from the finals and, again, staying out of the top eight. Tigers 109, Power 71. Uh, Cotchin, Trent Cotchin, wow. Watching this guy turn back the clock, 32 disposals. Cotchin was playing some of his best footy. He was hitting, he was tackling, and the guy is rearing into form like a, like a warrior getting ready because he knows the big time's coming. Uh, but they did it, man. They're just, they're just looking good, the yellow and black is. And I can't wait for this match against Hawthorne this weekend. You have two informed sides um, coming together, so it should be fun. But unfortunately, on the other end, we're going to talk about this here a little bit later on here on On The Mark. But this pretty much ends the power season. Swans 126, Ruse 88. Uh, yes, they played that game for some reason. Uh, Lions 114, Blues 81. Um, Lions staying in touch with the top four, which they had to do with that victory. But the Blues now season now is in real, real shady territory. Uh, they cannot make any more mistakes or it could cost them their season. And again, uh, we'll talk about this for, for two of the clubs, to me, that are really kind of positioning for finals or trouble so and then finally crows 102 eagles 86 after a very tumultuous week the crows hold on and get a victory over um you know the eagles so west coast eagles again not living up to what anybody thought they were going to be now with richmond's 109 71 victory uh a lot of questions will need to be answered from the port adelaide power i think that's to me what came out of that match. Yes, this is what the yellow and black does. Richmond Richmond starts playing good footy, even without Dustin Martin right now, when the season comes to that point, right? That's what the Tigers have really done um, since 2017 and what they're continuing to do now. But to me, the biggest question that comes out of that is Port Adelaide. And what does Port Adelaide do going forward with a lot of questions, but the major question is, what do they do with head coach Ken Hinckley? Now, there was a lot of dreams and aspirations for Port Adelaide coming into the season. I'm saying they finished really strong last year. Um, 
a lot of people thought that with the performance that the team had uh, in 2022, Travis Boak playing out of his mind, um, you know, a lot of the young nucleus of the players really starting to amp their games up. Um, there was a lot of hope that this was going to be a breakthrough year for Hinkley and the boys going into 2022, that, you know, this was this was it, right? This was it. And that came crashing down as the team started 0-6. And you cannot start a season 0-6 and think that you're just going to flip the switch and all of a sudden come charging back in to the top eight. And it hasn't happened. Yes, key injuries have been a factor. We know injuries are part of both sports that we cover on this show. Um, But how many times can you continue to use injury as a reason for not living up to expectation? And that's the thing. Ken Hinckley has been with the club for 10 years. All right? I've followed Port, paid attention to them quite a bit, actually been to Adelaide Oval during this time, actually watched uh, Port Adelaide play uh, the Swans at the SCG uh, live. was my first AFL match. So I've, I've paid attention to Port, right? And they've always had that team to me that always felt like they were right there. They were always right there. But after 10 years, Kenny Hinckley still has no flags, no grand finals appearances, and you've got a club, because don't forget, last year, there was a lot of rumblings about Ken Hinckley, too, until the team righted the ship and made that that real push, right? So, you know, he's had a vote of confidence. Zach Butters has come out, and, and other players have come out saying that they're 100% behind Ken Hinckley. But this is all going to come down to President David Koch if he wants to make that decision to keep Hinkley because Hinkley's got one more year left on his contract and I don't know if he's going to be able to see it out. Um, you know, Port Adelaide's president, David Koch, went on uh, a, a radio show and kind of said some things that made you think that it might be teetering the other way about 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 Ken Hinkley coming back next season and he would not come out and say that that was going to be the coach going forward for Port Adelaide. So if, that, if you're Ken Hinkley, you can't feel too great about that. But... Besides that, I think some major decisions are coming. And I think the big question is, do you think Ken Hinckley is the coach going forward that is going to make this young nucleus of Port Adelaide gel to take that next step? And I don't know if you can really say that because they haven't taken the next step yet after 10 years with him. And they're about ready to lose some of the the best players that have played with Port Adelaide. Uh, you know, Travis Boak doesn't have tons of years left. You would think he's got less time than he's played already. Um, there's just some guys who are getting a little bit older. And do you think Hinkley can take this next this next group and bring them over the top? So I think we'll have to watch um, a lot of the, the talk and a lot of the actions that Port Adelaide do here in the next few weeks to see what the history and what Ken Hinkley's fate will be going forward. Now, Shedheads, I know we all love the big games, the big moments, no matter if it's either one of the codes that we talk about, right? But we love it when teams leave everything on the field and that all questions are answered because of the play, right? Not because of officiating, not because of bunkers, not because of a bad whistle, but because the team's leaving on the field. And that's why this this round is going to be so incredible for the AFL. And especially for two teams, the D's and the Blues. Both these teams are at a crossroads right now. Both of these teams 
last two weeks of the season are going to determine if they will consider this year a success or a failure more than maybe any other two clubs in the competition. Now, let's start with the Blues because the Blues have to win one of their next two matches to get make it in and stamp their place in the eight for the finals. All right? Now, the problem for the Blues is that they've got to play the D's and then they've got to play the Pies. You've got a, a struggling D's team who have been trying to find form, who have to have a victory. So they've got them this weekend. And then they have to turn around and play an informed Pies team that is going to be fighting like hell to finish in the top two. So they are really, really, really up against it, Carlton is. Really up against it. No one's giving them any type of serviceman's discount. Let me put it to you that way. But it gets better. Because they're going to have to probably get one of those victories without their captain, Patrick Cripps. Because he's right now, he is out for the last two rounds. And they have to have him if they're going to get a victory. They, they have to have Patrick Cripps. But unless an appeal goes through, Patrick Cripps is gone. And they're trying, like everything, to get Patrick Cripps, get this appeal through, so they maybe at least have him for one of those games. Maybe they can get it down to a one-game ban. But they've got to have him. And what happens if Carlton doesn't write the ship? What happens if Carlton doesn't get over the top with this? It's going to be very interesting to see what happens with the Blues, with the t- with the with the player turnover and everything if they can't get on top of this. But yeah, they're they could be singing the Blues at the end of the season. It just is. Just is what it is. It's a brutal game. It's a non-fair game. Sports is just it just it it doesn't flinch. It just takes souls. And unfortunately, uh, Carlton is right at the brink of losing theirs. Now, on the other hand, you've got the D's. A team that, for the first part of the season, looked like they were the benchmark of the competition. And they are fighting to stay in the top four right now. Because they could fall as far as sixth place if they don't play this right. If they don't step their game up. And what, what, what scares you for, for Melbourne right now is that they've lost seven of their last 12 matches. So they, they, you definitely can't say that they're a team that is playing their best footy right now. They're a team that is trying to find their stride, trying to find balance, cohesion, confidence, all of that stuff. But they're really up against it. And... They first they've got to play the Blues, a team that's some people would say more hungry even than they are, because they might not play the finals at all if they don't get a victory. And you'd have to say they think how the teams are playing that the Blues think their best chance is maybe to beat the D's. But if they get past Carlton this weekend, you've got the showdown of showdowns between the D's and the Lions at the GABA for round twenty three to close out the regular season. And I, I cannot really tell you how exciting that match would be if it was for all the marbles. It could be, it could break records. Let's be honest. It could break TV records for people watching a match where they know they're going to see some of the best football that they've seen all season between these two clubs. It, 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 it is going to be hell on earth. How about that one? How about that one, Shedheads? It could be hell on earth watching that game. But um, 
the only thing you can say is the best part about it is that we can just sit, prop our feet back up, get our favorite beverage, alcoholic or not, and just watch this. Because these last two weeks for these clubs and for the AFL, it's going to be some monumental viewing. And um, I almost think it'll be more exciting if you don't have a dog in either one of the fights just to watch good footy, to feel the drama and the tension that these these teams are about ready to go through. So interesting, going to be fun to watch, but it's going to have a lot, a lot to say about who we watch in September. Now the Swans have confirmed that their blood's legend, Josh Kennedy, uh, is going to be retiring at the end of this season. Uh, he's had hamstring injuries. He's had some knee. He's just been feeling the end of a career. Let's be honest. It's it's a brutal game. Some of the best athletes in the world are AFL players with the amount of running they have to do, tackling, all of that. It's it, There may not be a more strenuous toll to the body than running like an AFL player does. Um, but it is going to bring to the end a storied career for for a legend of the club. And you have to look at what, what he has done. I'm saying he's won one premiership with the club in 2012, three-time All-Australian, and a three-time Bob you know, Skelton medal winner. And, and, and that's, by the way, that's the best and fairest for the Swannies. But you have to think that this is one of the guys over this last 10 years that has been one of the Blood's best players, hands down. And it's always sad when you see players retire because that means we're getting older too. And I think that's the thing. When you see a player in a great leave, you start remembering all the moments that you got to experience watching them at their best, right? But it also makes you look back and go, God, that was five years ago. God, that was 10 years ago. God, that was seven years ago. And then you start looking at your own life and go, God, I'm seven years older. God, I'm 10 years older. God, I'm five years older, right? So... Um, congratulations to a real champion of the game. Uh, it's always sad to me to see when guys have to leave because of injury, but I think that's what we're all expecting when we watch these these games. So congratulations on a great career to Mr. Kennedy. Now, I love sweepstakes. I like sweepstakes that I can actually win some money in. That's one, but I do like sweepstakes. And, and Shed, as we've been watching... The Alistair Clarkson sweepstake. Who? It's like, where, oh, where will he end up? Okay? Where, oh, where will Alex Clarkson end up? Where will Clarko be next year? Because we know he's going to be someplace next year, right? And right now, the two front runners are the GWS Giants and the, the Roos, North Melbourne, right? Clarkson just had a huge, lengthy interview with the GWS Giants. But unfortunately, it looks like they could probably have dinner and an evening together, but it doesn't sound like he's going to GWS. And there's two major reasons why Alistair Clarkson looks like he's about ready to sign the dotted line with the with the Ruse. And that is, one, their real affinity and strength and bonding with Tasmania. And we know Clarko's love of Tasmania. But two, he doesn't want to leave Melbourne. And last time I checked, if he takes a GWS job, he's going to Sydney. And we know people that are from Sydney don't really want to live in Melbourne, and people in Melbourne don't really want to live in Sydney. So Clarko is Melbourne through and through. And I think that's a huge factor in why he's choosing the ruse 
over the Giants. Um, I If this is the case, I cannot wait to see how different a Clarko-led North Melbourne Ruse club will be with his tutelage and leadership in two seasons. Because it will take him a little bit for him to, like, to straighten the ship, no matter how great of a coach Clarko is. But I am so excited to see what the Ruse will look like with this type of leader guiding them down the track. So um, it's not done yet, but it looks like the Ruse may have got their guy, and I'm excited to watch that transpire. Now, let's go into some picks for round 22. Uh, we are not forgetting like we did last week. Uh, starting off Friday night, we've got the Lions versus the Giants. To me, it's a no-brainer. One of them has a lot to play for. One of them is taking confession. I'm taking the Lions over the Saints. Giants versus the Dogs. I do think Beverage's boys will show up. And I think that even though the Giants looked good last week, I think the Dogs wrestle it out of them and take a bite out of the GWS team. Ruse versus the Crows. I'm going with the Crows because Clarko ain't at the Ruse yet, shedheads. So going with the Crows. Saturday, Cats versus the Suns. You know, we know how the Suns are. They are the, uh, the um, what am I trying to say? The yo-yo of the, club, of the competition. But I don't think the Cats are going to even take a chance for a letdown. And I think they want to roll into the finals. Blues versus the Ds. We talked about this one. I'm going with Melbourne. I think that the flag holders right now understand what they have to do. Uh, and I don't see the Blues scuttling their future, personally. I just think the Ds are the better club. So I'm going with the Ds. Eagles versus the Dockers. Yeah, okay, Dockers. Hawks versus the Tigers. I can't wait for this match because you've got an inform Hawthorne club against a Tigers team that have to hold hold serve to make sure they make it into the eight. They control their own destiny. I'm taking the Tigers to get the victory over the Hawks. Sunday, Pies versus the Swannies. I'm taking the Swans in an upset to break the streak at 11 for the Pies and to springboard themselves up to being a contender for the final. So I'm going with the Swans. And then finally, Power versus the Bombers. The Bombers Club, who again had another dismal loss when it looked like they had their ideas. And now with all of the, 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 the reporting coming out that you've got players in mutiny against one another and turmoil going on with Essendon, um, I'm taking Ken Hinckley's boys to fight for him and to get the victory over Essendon. Now the guns, boy, there was some excitement with the guns this week. And we're starting off my number one gun, Cameron Munster, the mischievous one. Three tries getting a treble, four for six on conversions, 252 running meters, two line breaks, one line break assist, nine tackle breaks, seven tackles made in 41 kicking meters. It was good to see Munster back at his mischievous best and I'm very interested to see if he goes to the halves with Jerome Hughes out this week or does Bellyache leave him back in the fullback position or if he's kind of a rover. Going to be interesting, but great match. Great game for Cameron Munster. Number two, Jack Gunston from the Hawthorne Hawks. Five goals, one behind, 14 disposals, 11 kicks, three handballs, eight marks, 323 meters gained. Uh, Gunston powering the Hawks. It'll be interesting to see if he can kind of have that same type of performance. 
because Hawthorne's going to need him this weekend against Richmond. And then finally, Kid Guthorino, the king of Parramatta, Clint Gutherson, one try, four for seven out of his conversions, 207 running meters, two line breaks, one line break assist, three try assists, one tackle break, and four tackles made. A full-fledged day out for the Gutherino. Gutherson, who without Mitchell Moses there, knows that he's got to be not just the captain, but the inspiration for the Eels going into the finals. So yes, Dom, I did pick Clint Gutherson as one of my guns. Now outside the bubble, I haven't done a lot outside the bubble. It's kind of a downtime over here in the divided states. But I've got just two quick stories to me that I think show you just the heart of a champion and the heart of not a champion. And we're going to start with the heart of not a champion. And it starts with Kevin Durant. KD, a guy that I... I don't know KD, but he spent quite a bit of time around an area that I'm quite fond of. And after it looked like KD was going to get an ass for the head of his coach and his general manager for the Brooklyn Nets, and then we find out that a trade between the Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets fell through, that KD now is saying, that his preferred landing place is drums, please. It's funny I said that because it's the town that that guy's from, Will Smith. He says the landing spot that he'd like to go to is the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, if I was Doc Rivers, I would quickly close the door, lock it, padlock it, and then put a chain on it. There's no way I'm letting that coach killer KD come to to Philadelphia. Let alone let him match up with with the non-beard, excuse me, the beard. He's the non-player now, but the beard. And to bring that freaking circus to Philly? Are you kidding me? Kevin Durant, let me tell you something. To be a champion, you got to win something on your own. To be a champion, you have to lead your team. To be a champion, you can't ride off of others' coattails to do something. Now, I don't need you blowing up my Instagram page, Katie. Don't try to send me a tweet, text, message. You don't need to. Just look in the mirror. You couldn't get it done at Oklahoma City. Then you go over and you you get on the the, the Curry and Draymond and Clay bandwagon. And you, you jump on the bus there, right? Nothing against the Tigers and their bus. But but you get on the bus for Golden State, right? And you get a championship, right? You get a championship. You can now say you're a champion. But then you don't get along with people and you say you want to be the man. And though Kyrie calls you home, because you're an East Coast kid, I understand that. So Kyrie calls you home. And then the beard forces his way out. So all of a sudden, oh, we got amigos. We got three amigos up in Brooklyn. Those three amigos played 17 games together. Atrocious. Atrocious. But that's what you see when you have three guys who aren't leaders. Neither, no. Kyrie's figuring out what it's, what it's like not to play with LeBron. The Beard is finding out that you can't win when you're the man. Ask Houston. And then Kevin Durant has proven that he can't win a damn thing. He didn't win anything when he was back at Texas. He didn't win anything 
at Oklahoma City. He won when he got up with the boys in Golden State. And then he does, you know, he gets, let's not even talk about Brooklyn. You, you know what happened in Brooklyn. Got swept by the team he wanted to get traded to, the Celtics. And now he wants to go and follow his boy to fill it. Get out of here. I, I don't even, I can't believe I'm even wasting your guys' time talking about this guy. Am I saying Kevin Durant's not a great basketball player? Yes, he is. But when people try to say he's the greatest basketball player in the world, I laugh in their face. Because to be the greatest basketball player in the world, you got to be a champion. And you got to be a champion from the inside out. You got to be a champion that doesn't follow but leads. And when you lead, you take people to promised lands. You don't destroy things and break things down and do that. So get out of here with that best player in the world stuff. You're an assassin, KD. You're a hell of a scorer. But you are no champion champion. Please, get out of here with that. I'm done with it. And, and, and Doc, like I said, lock that door, put the bolt on, and put the padlock on that. Because you don't need that guy there. Finally, let's, land, let's, let's finish with a smile, Shedheads, shall we? Let's finish this episode of Outside the Sheds with a laugh, a little bit of a smile. But again, let's talk about eh, millennials, possibly. Okay, here we go. Pirate second baseman Rodolfo Castro. He didn't lose his pants sliding into third base head first. He didn't lose his wallet. He didn't have a pack of sunflower seeds fall out. No, no. Rodolfo, Rodolfo decided to leave his burner on the field. And if you guys don't know what burner is, a little slang over here in the divided states, his phone. His phone went past third base out of his back pocket. Now, I don't know how he got this phone in his back pocket because it was the size of a small television. But he, he, he somehow did not forget. And you don't forget when you have something that's the size of a TV in your back pocket that it's in your back pocket. So I don't know if he needed to call in maybe a delivery order to send something to his house close to the end of the game. I don't know. But I know it's against Major League Baseball to bring a device in the dugout, let alone to leave it at third base. And the best thing about the entire picture and the entire look that happened was Rodolfo slides into third, his phone continues its trek, and his his third base coach looks down at the phone as Rodolfo gets up and knows that he's caught red-handed, and he tries to hand the phone to his coach who wants nothing to do with it. It was comedic gold. I'm still laughing at the vision of him trying to hand it and, it's, and the shaking of the head of his third base coach like, what have you done? So hats off, everybody, to my new favorite millennial player, Rodolfo Castro. And if you need to find him, he's probably right now on Twitter or on Instagram or some type of freaking self-chat because, you know, you got to keep your phone close. You got to keep it close. So congratulations, Rodolfo, for making my tops. Anyway, Shedheads, that's bringing to a close another incredible edition of Outside the Sheds. I can't wait for you guys to take in this weekend's matches. They're going to be great. Uh, Set your DVRs, set your recorders, whatever you want to. Or you can just be a man and watch the game live. Or woman. Watch the game live. Uh, It's going to be great tonight. But uh, until next week, take it in, Shedheads. Try to do something nice for somebody next to you. Uh, make somebody proud of you. 
But until next week, stay out of trouble. Don't get caught or don't get caught. That's what I always say. Don't get caught. Uh, but I am Corey Jackson. I'm your Shedded Amos. This has been Outside the Sheds. See ya! And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.